0: My name is Lex Dad and I'm a local Darug man. We share country up here in the Blue Mountains with the Gundangra people. I'd like to pay respects to our elders, both past and present. I'd like to pay respects to our young people who are our emerging elders. I'd like to pay respects to Pema Wiyanga, Mother Earth, and Father Sky, Biami. And I say in our link, local Darug language, Wadami Welcome friends to Darug country and Yanana Budrigumara. May we all walk with good spirit, with patience, humility and respect from one another. Did you record her? And thank you. Hello, this is Catherine and Zach. This is Zach. And we have Madison here today. Hello. Hello, who we'll introduce in a little bit. Uh, We are the hosts of the show Paperback Writer, a show about all things books.
1: It's a book show for all paperback writers and readers, featuring book reviews, interviews with local, Australian and international authors, new releases, literary awards, novel ideas and a lot of book-related puns.
0: Yeah, we're excited. We've got Madison with us today. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. This is a fun little studio. It's really fun, isn't
1: it? Yeah, it's good, isn't it? It's not. I, I'm not sure that commercial radio stations would have a setup quite like this, but this is just suits, suits us down to the ground, I think. But it's also, really would, would
0: commercial radio stations play Let's Hear It for the Boy and the um, Welcome, Welcome to, the country to Country at the, at the same, same
1: time? time? No, and they probably shouldn't. R- probably them, so. shouldn't.
0: <laughs> um, I'm also excited about playing that song. <laughs> that was my choice for this week, but we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah. a little bit. Um, so <clears throat> we don't have so much of a theme today, but... Um, uh, later on we'll be interviewing Madison um, about her work and the magazine, is it, or a book? Magazine? Magazine. It's Yeah, well, it's quite a big magazine. It's a
2: big magazine. It's a big, yeah,
0: that, um, that you've been involved with and um, all that kind of stuff. It's called The Changing Face of Farming, but we yeah. are getting ahead of ourselves. Mm. I think we should talk about what we've been reading.
1: Well, Catherine, that's a very good point. What have you been reading?
0: Um, I have been reading... Actually, do you want to start, Zach? Okay, yeah, Is that all right?
1: Go. Yep, that's no problem. So, um, I want to talk about quite a special uh, book that I've been reading, and not only have I been reading it, but um, we actually, at Rosie Revelston Books, uh, publish this book as well. Uh, And it's um, a book of poetry that came out a couple of months ago. Um, Now, the author is Jennifer Hetherington, who we know quite well. She's come to the Blue Mountains, and she uh, has done... um, uh, read her poetry out at our poetry night, uh, Mid-Mountains Poetry Night, which is actually coming up in a couple of weeks, the next one, but we'll, we'll get on to that later. Um, so she wrote a collection of poetry. She also did uh, a bunch of illustrations in the book as well. So not only is she a very talented poet, but she's also managed to, um, to do some really interesting illustrations that go with a lot of the, the poems. Um, so I'm getting some hand signals from, I was my trying clients. to be
0: smooth and say, Zach, you need to be a little bit louder or turn yourself up or speak closer.
1: Okay. Um, I've- I can't really get much closer. I was
0: trying to be really subtle because we're (laughs) on the radio, but uh, apparently that didn't work. Sorry to interrupt. So, Between Coastal Rocks and Softer Places.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So, uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this is not only... I mean, I'm I'm quite familiar with this book because we did publish it, so we were involved in the editing and the formatting and the like, and it's something we're really proud of um, having published. I mean, it's great. If if you're interested in Australian poetry, it's um, very highly recommended. Um, so, uh, what I wanted to—the reason I wanted to talk about it now in particular was because uh, earlier this week we found out that Jennifer Hetherington had actually won a poetry award. Woohoo! She's she's won the international nice Welsh poetry competition, um, which is not just about Welsh poetry.
0: No, you need to say, and I'll tell you for why. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it is a genuinely an international competition. So people from all over the world can contribute poems uh, to this particular competition. Is um, there any
2: theme or anything, Zach?
1: It's, there's no theme in particular, no. It's just, um, um, it's just one poem that you contribute to it. Uh, and uh, Jen contributed a poem. It's actually not from this book, but it's from a, 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 an upcoming collection of poetry, I think. So it's a new poem called Crosswords. Ooh, I um, like that. And there's a good story behind that, but I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit later.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so she submitted that and, yeah, we found out on the, uh, on, I think it was on Monday, on the 1st of August, that she was the, the, the winner out of the thousands of, wow. of entries. Um, so she, she wins a £500 prize <laughs> nice. from the competition and she gets promotion throughout the UK as well. Um, and we're obviously going to use that opportunity to promote her book further too because mm. um, it's a fantastic achievement. So she's, a, um, I guess, a, um, an, uh, an older woman who lives in the Northern Rivers. So she's not a Blue Mountains resident, but she's... She's honorary. Yeah, it's almost her home away from home yeah. here. Um, and we've loved uh, working with Jenna and we're super proud um, of the fact that she's won this Definitely. award. Um, and I think there was a lot of competition as well um, to to win it. Um, and at some stage, we'll look at um, getting Jen on this show as well, Definitely. I think, and get her to talk a bit more about that. Um, and,
0: and I won't lie to you, yeah. I think it's a great we've, we've po- already, book of done, poetry. We've already done the Welsh accent. <laughs> <laughs> that was about two Welsh <laughs> phrases I'll tell you for why and I won't lie to you <laughs> uh,
1: The competition's been going for about 15 years or so as well So it's been something that's been going on for quite a while And they've it's done really an- a- anthologies of all the winners as well so Jen Is that pol- where
2: we can read her poem in a printed anthology? Well
1: it will be uh, I think they do, they do the anthology every five years And they just did one last year So I think there will be a little bit of a wait for that But as I said I, um, Jen is working on a second collection of her poetry Which fingers crossed she'll let us publish as well so hopefully that'll come out in the not-too-distant future and then we'll have a chance to, to read that uh, award-winning poem as well. It's really um, cool. Yeah, we're, we're really stoked about that. Just to, to be able to play a little part in um, Jen's success as well. I mean, it's pretty much all her talent that's managed to <laughs> yeah. achieve it, but, but we we played a little bit of a role in that too, so we're really happy about that. And I have a feeling it's probably not going to be the last award she wins either. So Nice work, Jen. Yeah, highly recommend Between Coastal Rocks and Softer Places.
0: Yeah. Which you can get at our bookshop if you're interested. And
1: a number of other bookshops as well and yeah. online and the like. Um, and there's an ebook version available now for Kindle as well. Look at that.
0: Mm. And it's got illustrations for it too, which I really like, that yep. Jen also did. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Awesome. Mm. Kudos, Jen. Yeah.
1: Cool. Well done. What about you, Kath?
0: Um, well, I very subtly ran off to go get my book, watch, which is why I asked you to go first. <laughs> I'm sure no one noticed at all. Um, so I've been going through... Well, I've been reading Janet Frame and her autobiographies. Um, so Janet Frame is a really prolific New Zealand writer. I think she's absolutely amazing. Um, and she uh, has written a number of books and um, uh, a lot of poetry as well. Uh, and and these are, she has a three-part autobiography. So the first one is To the Island, um, which uh, I think it was published in 1985. And then after that was An Angel at My Table. And then after that was uh, is an, The Envoy from Mirror City. So, I've I've read the first two and I'm starting The Envoy from Mirror City today. I'm trying to spread them out because I just... I love her writing so much that I want to... You know when you finish a really good book and you want to sort of marinate in it? That's not quite the word I want. <laughs> I actually have
2: a bit of a thing where if I really love a book, I sometimes don't read the last chapter because I don't want it to end. Whatever? Sometimes. <laughs> it has happened. Well, So, you just... <laughs> I love Because then it's unfinished, and it's a bit stressful and adrenaline-producing, but it means it's still there. But then you can go back and reread it. That's that's the joy of it. I know. It is strange.
0: It is strange. Yep. <laughs> I kind of love that, though. <laughs> I, lo- but I can't believe I just admitted
1: that. No, it's <laughs> right. Have you have you ever done that for books with a C-Corp? Because that could be complicated. No.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: that's <Okay>. true. Definitely <laughs> been standalone. I totally get that, though. You're wanting to, like... Prolong the experience and some books you just hmm. read and, and if, if it's a good book you can read it in a day or whatever and you just don't want to put it down um, and uh, but then you sort of think oh <laughs>
2: it's over <laughs> it's ah. over
0: um, so I've definitely been doing that so um, Janet Frame she's quite famous um, and I this shouldn't be the reason she's famous because she's a fantastic writer but uh, for those who don't know much about her uh, she's painfully painfully shy uh, to the point that sort of if anyone sort of spoke to her or even having to go and for example, go get a form for something or submit something in person, she just couldn't do it. She was just absolutely terrified, and um, unfortunately was um, uh, admitted to what would have then been called a mental asylum, you know, a a, a hospital. um, And... Was deemed schizophrenic Despite not being schizophrenic And was there for a lot of her life Oh that's
2: devastating And she's
0: not schizophrenic She's just very very shy And back then I mean And she got electroshock therapy Almost got a lobotomy And was thankfully saved And this isn't a spoiler You know this is quite public knowledge uh, Was only because one of her Her first book was published The Lagoon and other stories And then the psychiatrist came in She was on the list On the list to get a lobotomy uh, And the psychiatrist came in and said I think we should just keep you the way you are Just because she Had been published which is so messed up but also lucky and so it it, it sounds um it it is heavy in a way but it's also not and and the way she writes I can't quite put my finger on what I love about it I think the first one is um from when she was born to when she was 15 and went to teachers training uh, about to go to teachers training college and the way she writes is so engaging um because she writes sort of her own narrative and what's going on but then writes looking from you know, hi- I guess with hindsight, and says how silly was I to have thought that, or now that I know better. And so you sort of have these two lines of narrative, which I, I find really interesting. And she's just a beautiful writer. You know, she's always wanted to be a poet or a writer from the time she was young. So the whole book, as you can see there, you know, it's just interspersed um, with poetry and words. And I love that when it changes
2: form like that. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and throughout it, and some of it, eventually, as she becomes more confident, um, she starts adding her in her own poetry. Um, And then the second one, An Angel at My Table, which was made into a movie. I think it's on Netflix. I think Jane Campion directed it. Um, And so that's when she's at Teachers College and, unfortunately, is part of the time she spent in psychiatric hospitals. Um, And she doesn't go into that a lot because she's written a side story called Faces in the Water, which is a fictional account but is sort of based on really, you know, it's an autobiography. Biographical Faces from. in the Water.
1: Mm. Mm. Interesting title. Yeah, and
0: so that's her time, the eight years she spends in. Mm. Eight years, by the way. Can we just think about that? For someone who doesn't have a mental illness. Eight years.
2: <sighs> Whoa. <sighs>
0: um, anyway, so that's a separate book. So she does sort of talk about it and say, oh, you know, I've talked about this in Faces in the Water, but I won't go into it here, which was a bit surprising because the whole book I was preparing myself to, you know, I knew that this happened. It's, it's very common knowledge. Um, but yeah I sort of prepared myself for it and then uh, it didn't happen but ah, oh, just the way she writes and, and at the moment she's she's moved in with Frank Sargison um, in Takapuna which is where just down the road from where I went to high school actually um, and he's a really famous New Zealand writer and he sort of took her under his wing and let her be herself and you know even with him who let her be herself you know there was still this you know this this intense shyness and this intense sort of overthinking and.
2: It's, it's what a life to try to describe that Then in such a public th- Yeah generous form as well
0: Well and that's the thing that's so brave about it I mean I, and I guess sort of confronting it Because everyone knew mm. um, Which is awful and I don't think that's the reason She should be famous because she, I mean she's written Like, oh, like ten novels or something mm. Heaps of poetry um, And, uh, you know, I've read a bit of it before, but I'd never read these autobiographies. Um, But, yeah, to to, to describe it and to, you know, she's very vulnerable and she really puts her heart on her sleeve. And her family were quite poor, um, living in rural New Zealand, you know, the deep South Island, and um, what that was like trying to, you know, manage. And, you know, there was a lot of tragedy in her family by the time she was very young Um, and, you know despite all of that she just she's just I she's one of my favorite writers ever and I so I'm, I'm I think the envoy from Mirror City is the third one I think I'm going to get into that today but I as as you said I, I kind of just I'm really enjoying the, the being in the story and you know she's about to go on an adventure and I, I kind of don't I'm not ready for that yet I'm sort of still still sitting in where she was um so yeah highly highly recommend Janet Frame and, and any of her poetry any of her uh, any of her short stories and Michael King is also a famous New Zealand historian uh, and he's written a very solid autobiography about her which again I have, I haven't got into. Um, I'm going through a bit of a non-fiction fra- uh, phase at the moment um, so it's really nice to to be getting into that and to, to learning about it you know and I love seeing her talk about places you know that I've been and that mm. I've um, traveled to I don't know it, maybe I'm a bit homesick yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just impressed Zealand.
1: you managed to pull yourself away from Ursula Le Guin for uh, a that couple I of deal. weeks it's very <laughs> impressive yeah.
0: it's true well it's bec- I think that was also COVID brain because <laughs> uh, Ursula's worlds. so I started reading The Left Hand of Darkness and her world is so there's a lot going on and mm. it's not it's not a world that we're in. And so you have to pay quite a lot of attention to the details. Have
2: you read that one, Madison? Cause you're yeah, a big, I'm a big Le Guin fan as well. I, yeah. I was thinking I might need to hold back on talking about her, but I actually often muddle up some of her worlds because I read a bunch of her books in succession. So yeah. is the left hand of darkness, the um, quite didactic one, or is it the one where they're living on the planet winter? That one. Winter. Yeah, okay. Winter. Yep. So the, the one
0: you're thinking of was the dispossessed. That yes. was the first one I read. Oh, I love really it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, because oh, you read a
2: lot of feel, stuff. I can still feel. like I'm um, back there. Yeah. Actually, um, yeah, but maybe, yeah, w- maybe with not the kind of escape you're looking for when you had when you were a bit sick. Well, and also because you're in this planet that's winter, and you know, Oh, it's th- grim, isn't and it? And it's so oh. grim.
0: But also, there are different species, and there's different sort of ways the world works. And and uh, she writes quite. You have to focus a little bit. I find you know. And I think because otherwise you might miss way.
2: details of exactly. names and places. It's yeah. not particularly difficult. No, but it's if not you, complicated. If you wanna,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay, get what you
2: mean. With COVID brain, I just <laughs> you know. Whereas
0: Janet Frame it sort of said, you know, and this is what happened today, and this is what it looked like, and that doesn't
2: make it sound interesting at all. But it really, really is. <laughs> it looks really approachable too, so I can be a bit put off, put off by um, bigger order biographies or yeah. biographies because. They have an amazing life, but there's so much to read. But they've, um, here has three, the mm. three books that are separately published. Um, yeah, which makes it a bit more palatable, mm. maybe. Well,
0: no. I don't think you'd have to read them all in order necessarily either. Like, I think you could start at an angel at my table. Um, oh, if, cool. if you're interested, choose your own adventure biography, <laughs> 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 I reckon. Um, yeah, I, I, it's really, really easily accessible. I think, and even though heavy stuff happens, she's quite matter of fact about it just this is how I felt and so this was the logical option so this is where I went and um, I expected to feel well to cry a lot whereas I did feel like I don't know I just wanted to protect her (laughs) that was what came through more than anything just thinking no Janet don't don't do that and don't And and I think as well you know her mother was the one who had to sign the forms for her to go to hospital and to have a lobotomy and her mum absolutely meant the best for her because the doctors said, look, this will help her. This will help her be normal, and that's all they wanted because her older brother as well had epilepsy. And mm. back then they d- – well, I don't even know if they knew it was epilepsy, but he had you know, seizures a lot. And so they tried all these different tactics because mm. back then they didn't know. And part of it was maybe he's not trying hard enough, so if you try harder, you can stop it. Or maybe it's a problem with your ears or your tonsils. Or So they took into all these specialists, meaning well, but actually it was just kind of making – not making it worse but it wasn't helping at all because they were so desperate to help their kids you know and so it's really interesting too thinking about like uh, institutionalization because i think Mm -hmm. an angel at my table was written well based in the 50s and 60s yeah the first really
2: that long ago for that sort of approach no
0: well and deinstitutionalization in new zealand happened in the 70s um and so you know Mm -hmm. it, it was it would have been absolutely horrific and I, I think I think she says a psychiatrist talked to her in those eight years for a total of ten minutes or something. And no one, oh, someone said schizophrenia, and no one thought to challenge it. They just were like, "Oh well, that's her." And even when she went back into the community, th- she had to wait a year until they declared uh, declared her sane, you know. And and and, and so so many th- her whole life was coloured by this. But because she was so shy, she didn't fight it. Because
1: yeah.
0: why would you? Um, mm. And I guess you know, tragedy can bring about great writing, but I don't, I don't think it has to. My heart breaks for her, but I mean...
1: Well, that, that's testament as well, I think, to how fantastic her writing actually is, the mm. fact that you your heart does break for her and that especially I, I really like those um, those works as well where you're reading something that the character or the person in this case... Is doing and you're almost yelling at the page. Don't do that. Yes, I <laughs> know uh, that's just not going to end well. Why are you? Why are you making such that decision? Such a visceral reaction. Yeah, but it just shows you how engaged you are with the book and how the writer has done such a good job of bringing you into their world. Definitely, which is a real talent, I think.
0: And I think that's what I found really interesting too, looking at New Zealand, because the first one uh, is just before the second world war it starts and so what new zealand was like um you know during the war and what you know how girls had to wear dresses and her sister at some point starts wearing slacks and how her slacks. i know controversial el scandalo yeah. <laughs> but you know and how controversial that was and even janet trying to do the right thing which was clearly the wrong thing but just because society expected her to and you know oh, it's it's heartbreaking but it's I, I couldn't put it down yeah i, I even I, I could just have sat and read it in in one go quite easily. Um, And, I mean, she has so many books out. And and (laughs) whenever we go to book fairs and things to source books for our shop, I'm always grabbing them. And I actually found I had (laughs) a few copies of these autobiographies, like two copies of the first one and two Mm. of the second. But I found a lot more of her books. So I think... Maybe instead of Le Guin, maybe it's just going to be the Janet Frame well, show. Welcome
1: to the Le Guin and Frame show. Oh, my gosh. Although I I can't talk. Sorry, apologies, Lisa, because I was the one who brought up Le Guin and then we had another conversation about it's her, true. Sort of Le Guin. So <laughs> well, I mean, Madison. These guys can't help we're themselves. We're gathering a, f- a fan club. We're right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs>
2: we're going to
0: oust you and just have a Le Guin <laughs> show. That's the plan.
1: Yeah, I think I read that plot in one of Le Guin's books, actually. <laughs> um, okay, well, how about we go to a couple of songs? We didn't play much music last time. And yeah. then we'll come back and we'll have a chat to Madison and hear uh, what Madison's been reading. Sounds good.
0: We just listened to Let's Hear It For The Boy, uh, Denise Williams, which was my choice because um, it is a banger, basically. It's a banger. <laughs> it, it was on. A they did a lip sync to it on the RuPaul's Drag Race finale, and I went, man, this, this is such a good song. Why don't we listen for it, uh, to it more? But I mean, she didn't hear it for the girls at all, which I wasn't a fan of.
2: I thought she was going to hear it for the girls. She heard it for her baby at oh.
0: one point, which was quite nice, I thought. Um, so, you know, personally.
1: It's about time the boys were celebrated in society, I think. It's just not enough of that. How nowadays. is it being
0: a white male, Zach? It must be so hard. Let's hear it for you. You don't even well know. Well done. You let's let's even, thank you. It That's Paul's more like. It's about time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we had Zach's Choice B52's Love Shack, which, yeah. fun fact, Rue Paul is in the. Drag Race uh, I mean, RuPaul is in the video For that, uh, for that song Say what? <laughs> tin roof Rusted That's what it says I just looked it up yep. w- Why is she talking about Because
1: it's a shack
0: Oh so the, the, the tin love roof shack. of the love shack is
1: Exactly It's made right. out of tin And it's rusted Right It's poetry really If you think about it
0: Yeah I mean those lyrics I mean it's just It's, it's, it's magic poetry Isn't yep. it Absolutely <laughs> We should read them out In a Welsh accent Oh yeah, definitely.
1: Apologies to all our Welsh listeners out there.
0: <laughs> Do you want to nomalate? <laughs> <For their> t-
1: <laughs> terrible attempt at an accent. All right. Tell um, us what you've been yeah, reading, yeah. Madison. That's Stop what I'm excited books.
2: about. Yes. Well, I, um, in keeping with the non-fiction uh, theme mm-hmm. from Catherine, um, I this is a book that I read last year, uh, and I haven't really talked about it at all. So that's why I'm talking about this one. Uh, it's <laughs> called uh, Blueberries by Elena Savage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sh- the book was long listed for the Stella Prize in 2021, which is how I came across it. I um, uh, was trying to specifically read more uh, fiction by women, in a, by Australian women. Mm-hmm. And Let's it's hear it for the girls. Let's hear it for the girls. Yeah. Um, what is it about? Well, it's essentially a collection of essays, actually, but it, it's presented as a memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, and but all through it, she's questioning, like, what actually is a memoir, and why would I even write a memoir, and, and, and Ooh, am I enough, meta. or is anyone why enough? It, mm. It's meta of its. Yes, it's definitely it's <laughs> meta. Why am I?
0: Why am I?
2: Yeah. No, that's fun. And <laughs> um, she, the the title, blueberries. Um, comes out in in uh, uh, one or two of the essays, um, but it's not necessarily central to the to the whole um, story. But um, and I now believe some of the chapters were published as individual essays. So it explores. Oh, Elena Savage is a Australian writer who um, sort of has taught creative and nonfiction writing, and mm. uh, a lot of it is about why do people write, or why would someone like her write? It's also about Class in Australia, particularly, which mm. I think is a really tricky topic to yep, discuss with some of our like cultural mythology. Mm-hmm. It's um, an
1: egalitarian society. There is no. class. There is no class, yet. of yeah, course. Exactly. Oh, Elena, the world's what first classless society. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: and it, look, it starts off um, with uh, an account uh, of uh, a pretty traumatic, violent event um, or attempted violence, and. Uh, and that threads itself throughout all of the essays, really, because it was a pretty um, seminal point in her life. But it also talks a lot about memory. And so she's got these multiple threads of the person I was when I was there, the person that's remembering it, the people, the other people that told her about that experience. Whoa. And so it's sometimes it's written as though there's someone on her shoulder saying, oh, but what about this? Nah, this is what happened. That's interesting. And um, she, you know, there's also a lot about... Um, uh, which might be topical for later, the housing market in Australia and being a, um, a, a person from a lower middle class background with no access to stable housing mm. and what that means as an artist, as a woman uh, and as a settler Australian. So she's sort of exploring all these parts of herself mm. um, and always in really different forms. Sometimes she's writing poems. There's one called Holidays with Men that on one, on one column of the page it's it's this fictional account of different holidays she's taken with different men in her life her grandparents different lovers that that sort of thing and then on the other column it's this academic um like a much more of an essay um on travel and on gender relations so it's the form you know if you really it could be a bit confusing i maybe sometimes for people to read but i just love it you kind of I feel like I have such a window into her brain. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, there's, and then there's some chapters that are like a lot of uh, different, almost like collections of notes, but she threads things together because she's such a great writer and writes, mm. um, you know, kind of classically formed essays as well. Uh, you know, sometimes she's trying to learn how to write poetry and then she's talking about um, some of the beat poets and then she goes back to talk about these, um, these other writers in her life. Um,
1: have you yeah. ever come across a similar book before? In terms of its its style,
2: so I've seen her work talked about as auto theory. I don't really know what that means, but auto it sounds. I think okay. it sounds like there's more people that write like her, mm. um, and there's a few um, female yeah. writers in particular that she she acknowledges mm. um, in in how she's playing with form, um, and and also co- often really uh, toiling with the idea of of um, of what it means to write, mm. um, but. Can I actually read a quote from it? Yeah, yes, go for it, please. Um, please. because I mean, all of us on, like, all of us are readers. I imagine if you're listening to the radio show, you're a reader as well. All right, unemployed. Um, yep, also <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the day, and um, and it's so important to us as readers that someone is writing, mm. and um, are reading so important to me. And one of the reasons she's given this note when she's um, trying to give a uh, a tutorial or a lecture to some creative writing students, and she gives a really what she thinks is a terrible answer and then she writes her notes afterwards saying actually this is what I'd say in future why write Uh, one of the answers is because there is a human future maybe not a forever future but one beyond now writing is an argument for hope it believes in the future it believes even in futures it ought to know better than to it believes in the ongoingness, the wanton tenacity of human beings. I like that.
1: Yeah, that's great. I really <laughs> like
2: that.
0: Isn't it unusual too? D- so I'm just still on that one where you were saying the columns. Oh, the holidays with men. Well, I- and and it's. It's just a page split in two, uh, and and one of the fonts is ever so slightly smaller. I've never seen that in mm. a book before. I think it's really fascinating. I love when people play with that, and you see that a lot in poetry, I think, you know, where yeah. how words are formed and placed, sure, but
2: yeah. I- in in a book like this, it's quite unusual. I think that's what I love about creative nonfiction, but because mm. this is a whole book, not just one essay. Um, it did remind me of a b- book I read in high school that was this Uber. I think we were learning about postmodernism, and um, my wonderful English teacher got us to read this book about a shark.
0: The Raw Shark Tips. Oh my gosh, (laughs) I can't believe you've read that! I've never met anyone who's so trippy. It's so weird. I can't believe you've read that. Mm.
2: I've tried to mm. describe mm. that to so many people and mm. failed because it's so weird. It's so confusing. It's but
1: Well, good. Madison, do you want to try and explain it to good us? Good luck.
2: I can actually not remember enough details. It <laughs> actually just brings out warm feelings for my two I can't really believe English it. teachers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bring that book up uh, and peop- no one has there's a clue. Sh- there's a being, that's a creature that maybe also is some code that lives in a computer that maybe is a... No, but it lives in the book, it doesn't, lives in it? doesn't it? Well, in, it lives the in the words. Book. Why do I think it's a computer? It well, it probably
0: is, but it, it, as we read it, it's part of the book. And so you see it in the w- – I don't know how to describe this. You see it sort of eating the words that you're reading right. and yeah. coming – so it's actually a part of the paragraph Yeah, so read. the book becomes alive, visual, doesn't yes. it? Yes. It, it's really hard to describe. It's actually – I thought – it's so funny – Um, I I thought about choosing that as a theme for our show, actually, books that are written in an unusual way. Mm. That's that's a cool theme. That was the first book that came to mind. And I would have to see how someone else has described it because I don't think I've done a good job. Mm. But, uh, yeah, seeing the shark on your page. But it's not a children's book and you don't see the shark. It's not an illustrated book. No, it's 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 a novel. this
2: This invisible shark that's eating the words that you're reading and so then you don't really know what you're reading or where you are in the book. Just we're making it sound terrible and confusing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think I think that is we'll make that a theme for another show yep. and we'll go back and have a look at that book and then hopefully be able to describe it a bit better. But it sound it does sound like quite a challenging <laughs> book to describe It's a anyway, really good, so. good yes. one. And I've yeah. m- I've
0: never read anything like it. Yeah. It's very
2: unusual in a good way. Yeah. I love that you've read it. We're gonna have to nerd out over yeah, it. it. <laughs> It'll be good. Yeah. I, mean, I mean Blueberries, Elena Savage and anything else that she's written, um, I'm I'm becoming a really big fan of her style yeah. Um, yeah. and her insights as well. Has oh, she cool. has she written else do you know she's written a few other books short books sorry, i don't know quite, yeah, quite a lot of essays and she was um she ran one of the um the bigish australian um literary journals yeah cool
1: mingen maybe kill your Overlands. darlings. kill your darlings. Oh, okay she's oh,
0: written well, you know who ran, else definitely you know who else did kill your darlings, don't it you? kill
2: your darlings? maybe it's not i'm sorry can't
0: <gasps>
1: Ah. Hannah You know we're friends now Who? I don't know if you know Never heard of You're friends
2: with Hannah? Kent? Hannah Kent yeah. Oh here we go There's, a <laughs> pho- there's photo proof
1: <laughs> There is Of Catherine freaking I, out Hannah Kent I so.
2: fangirled really hard It was quite <laughs> <embarrassing>. I almost <laughs> decided to talk About devotion actually <gasps> Yep oh. But I didn't
1: We can we can have a talk about that yeah. let's, let's have
2: a Hannah Kent Theme Let's show. go <laughs> <and> Let's, let's <laughs> play a
1: couple of songs And then I think we'll come back And have a little bit of a chat About Hannah Kent If that's alright Because you can never talk enough About Hannah That'll Kent That would be really nice Paperback Writer
0: <laughs> It's true Paperback <laughs> Welcome back to Radio Blue Mountains. I'm Catherine. This is Zach.
1: Hello again,
0: and Madison. Hey, our guest for today. This is 89.1 FM. Uh, The show is Paperback Writer, and of course, Archie Roach. We had to play the one, the only Archie Roach. Yeah, Mm. had to play him this week, um, and unfortunately, he passed away Mm -hmm. um, at 66, which is just unbelievably sad. Um and, and that was uh Took the Children Away was the first one. Uh, and tell me why. Both really sad songs.
2: Yeah, and I think um the first song uh is about the it's, it's quite a was a very well known one. Mm. Uh it's obviously about the stolen generation in Australia. Uh and that Archie Roach was um uh was a part of the first stolen generation, um and actually uh moved he was taken from his his parents as a young child and moved to um, a really quite a terrible foster home initially. He, he was four or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he Was very okay, young. He was four, yeah. And um, with his, yeah his siblings, and they were split into different homes. Um, and his his first foster home was actually very abusive, and he was moved to another one. Um, and he, he spoke quite highly of the the second family that um, that he lived with for a lot of his life. Um, and um, later on, um, with was able to get back in touch with his his family so um he yeah Archie's a Bundjalung man so from the northern rivers of Australia Mm. and a really well-known musician and an elder in that community and then the second song tell me why um, I heard a little snippet um Archie that was recorded of Archie speaking about that song um it's about his parents love and their relationship and Mm. he um says that he they really loved each other and had um, a, a really wonderful love. Um, but after the, the, the children were removed, um, their relationship broke down and um, uh, that's what the song's about. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And
1: I think that really comes through, not just in the sound, but in the lyrics as well. There's this, mm. this kind of mournful, lament. almost like wistfulness. Yeah, mm. lament, exactly right. Um, really powerful songs and uh, definitely a, a, a huge loss to the Australian music scene as well. Definitely. mm yeah. Um so yeah, we um mentioned we were going to get uh, on to talking about the reason for Madison being here, but Catherine um mentioned uh Hannah Kent <laughs> and I think we need to have a little bit of a chat about.
0: Well, to be fair, I, I it's just time drop for the her in Kent show. I I drop her in, you <laughs> yeah. know, conversation wherever I can. And while we were while the news was on I was showing Madison the photo of um, mad fan club photo. <laughs> yeah. I I just call her Hannah. We're we're just really close. Yeah. What I Kenty. I
1: thought it was HHK, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Hannah <laughs> <No. laughs> <Anna. laughs> There is Australia after all um, Yeah, no, we don't have to I've already fangilled You should all read her. some more
2: Hannah Kent I, I, my main The funny thing that when I read Hannah Kent um, I just felt um, She just took me to another world, obviously Wh- Which one? Was oh, sorry, one? Devotion Yeah, yeah So yeah. I read both Burial Rights and Devotion But mm-hmm. um, Devotion, uh following a young girl's uh, emigration from Prussia, mm. essentially, to South Australia. Yep. And um, I was hiking in southern Tasmania at the time and I took that book along mm. and um, it just was... Um, the World in Prussia, it just felt felt so out of context, but also this girl in the book who is, is so um, kind of m- magically in tune with nature um, yeah. and her own senses and experiences of the world. Um, and I just ploughed through it. I stayed – I was t- exhausted from hiking and paddling on rivers and then I stayed up all night reading. It <laughs> <was Yeah. laughs> it's, uh, I, the
0: way she writes is so engaging, isn't it? And I think this book particularly because it's in three parts. So the first part is in Prussia and, and they're, be- they're Lutherans and they're being quite uh, – I don't know, what would you say? Uh, persecuted. Dis- dis- persecuted, yeah. yeah, yeah uh, uh, a religious th- minority, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for their faith and so they, they have to move but of course they, they don't have a lot of money and – um, and then the second part they f- they get uh, passage on a ship and so it's what is it is it six months or something on yeah, the ship yeah it's
2: a very long time it's too long I wouldn't want to go anywhere and that's how that a long. lot of South Australia was first invaded and yep. settled yeah. yeah was from these um, yeah minority
0: yeah migrations definitely and so the whole part the second part is on the ship which of course you know they run out of food they don't have enough water there's sickness it's awful and then the third part is actually arriving in Adelaide and I think that one's really interesting too because they, they speak about the First Nations people that they see and and there's sort of some, a lot of the people are like just leave them alone you know they'll leave us we'll leave them and other people are frightened and then you know there's one woman and she's uh, a little bit more open minded which of course is scorned upon by the Lutheran community you know she sort of uses her own herbs and things for healing um, and she actually goes and speaks to some of the First Nations people and says you know what are you eating show us so we can survive too mm. and, and it's actually been shown historically that a lot of those settlers wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for the assistance yeah. of these First Nations people who showed okay. them, you know how to stay, you know what to eat and how to forage, and I think even with shelter and things like that. Um, so yeah, I, I I think it's a really good book. It's it's quite controversial, and we we won't say too much mm. because there's sort of a, a big spoiler you could give. But I know that has thrown a lot of people off, and they haven't enjoyed it. But I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. There recommend. Vote of confidence. And it all comes together. I think you need to stick with it. This one mm. um, because I feel like burial rights flowed the whole way and in the good people too um, to some extent whereas this uh, because there were the three parts it could have been disjointed but it wasn't and I think if you just you get to the end you just see that it's all been uh, meticulously planned yeah. and and I think that's you know my mate Hannah <laughs> when mm. we went to go see her speak you definitely saw that in her you know she was so
1: she really did a research, oh, she didn't she? But phenomenal. about
0: every niche little yeah. thing, like even like what a toilet would look like back then, things like yeah. that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and that's what I really enjoyed too because it does have that historical element that, that is fairly true to actually what it was like. Um, yeah. Whereas, you know, some historical friction you read, you think,
1: oh, <laughs> <when> <laughs> would that really happen? Or <laughs> well, then you
0: learn
2: something about history that's not actually true. Yeah, yeah well, I'm sure When happens. this happened. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. And um, over the break, we also, uh, of course, had a quick chat about Laguin again. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about Ursula Le Guin? Just one thing. Okay. So,
2: I have a friend who's a book <laughs> conservator. Yep. Her name is Jenny and she's really lovely. Cool. And she took my copy of Earthsea, mm-hmm. um, which is Le Guin's uh, collection of four mm-hmm. short story or short novels. Yes. And um and she's repaired it for me. So she has this great job repairing wow. books and artifacts cool. that are important to Australia. Yeah. And um sh- as a little side project, she Took my lovely copy of Earthsea, and it's um, it's currently in the mail, and I'm about to get it, and oh, I'm really so excited. Yeah. I love <laughs> that.
0: Well, and that's that's what I love about a lot of her books. The ones that we've sort of found have been donated, and they're these really retro covers. You know, <laughs> from the, the covers th- are so much fun. I <laughs> want to frame them on yeah. my wall. Yeah. From yeah. the sixties or the seventies. It was it would have been the seventies. A lot of your sci-fi I think seventies. Yeah. Yeah, primarily. but um, I just love how retro they are. That you could. Dif- I would love to have it. Yeah. Frame t-shirts. On the wall. We need t-shirts. I think we should. Maybe that can be our paperback writer. You know, like we'll have paperback. writers and then just a picture of the cover of the, d- the dispossession.
1: <laughs> nice, yeah. I mean, it's definitely pretty much <laughs> a show just about Ursula Le Guin these days, so it <laughs> probably makes sense. But we'll change the name of the show yep. as well. The Le Guin um, Show. Moving on from Ursula Le Guin and Hannah Kent, if that's all right with you guys. <laughs> 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 I'm so, so sorry. Madison's Madis- just smashing up I'm the studio. Smashing up the studio hi. <laughs> <height. laughs> so it's, we can, if you're that angry about stopping talking about <laughs> Ursula Le Guin, we can keep going. How right? dare you? you. Okay, sorry, I want to talk sorry about, Le about Le Guin. That. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, have invited Madison on the show today for a very special reason because we want to talk about a book that uh, she has been intimately involved with, called "The Changing Face of Farming." um, Book slash magazine.
2: Yeah, we're calling it a
0: magazine. Yeah, Yeah, it feels like a book because it's heavy. Yeah, and it's it's a it's it's good value. You know, some magazines are really uh, really thin, and they only have a few. This is a a good solid one. It feels
1: good in your hands. And do you want to tell us a little bit about? Um, what the book is about
2: yeah so um w- yeah, the changing face of farming um is our the young farmers connect magazine that we published last year it was our first um year that we self-published a magazine we had done some things in collaboration before that and, uh, and, and what
1: is young farmers Co- connect
2: and young so young farmers connect we're a national network um that's prom- that provides education and training opportunities for young farmers across australia we have regional chapters so there is a greater sydney blue mountains chapter um, and uh, 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 others um around australia cool. uh yeah so we network we meet up for um training um the reason i, I mean I'm, I'm not currently farming previously um i've worked on market gardens and other people's small farms um young farmers connects kind of spans the range of um all different kinds of food production um and really trying to promote um uh relocalization, um agri- agroecology principles, um and, and what's becoming a little bit more known at the moment as as regenerative farming or mm. trying to put back into the soil um more than you're taking out of it. Yeah. Um yeah, I love that.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. So
2: we um wanted to publish we wanted to share some of the voices of our members. And we decided we wanted uh, we would theme have a theme of women in agriculture, and there has been more publicity around um, you know the um, women in agriculture over the last few years, but um, we uh, sorry I just had a little brain. Brain oh, like, Yeah, that's alright. Yeah, yeah um, story of my life. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: is it? Is it specifically? Is it focused on women in agriculture in this part of the world, or yes. around Australia? Yes. Yeah, so
2: um, it's uh, focusing on wi- women's stories um, from the field yep. um, across Australia, oh, cool. and um, essentially. I mean, it kind of is wild, but it wasn't until 1994 in Australia that women could actually list themselves as farmers, as an My occupation occupational census. So, <laughs> th- you know, there's projects around the invisible farmer and yeah. all of that kind of thing. Oh, um, I didn't know that. And that's so recent. Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, women have always been um, uh, f- 50% of the, um, usually family <laughs> farms, yep. generally, um, for traditional farms mm-hmm. in Australia. And um, we we put a call out and had, um, we we sought some submissions from some academics in in health and food systems Mm -hmm. and also our members that are currently farming, training to farm, mentors in the field that are winding down their careers Mm. uh, and we kind of got quite an amazing response, especially we we did a, um, in the middle of our submissions call out, we did a social media campaign asking people um women and non-binary people to take a photo of themselves in the field a little selfie Mm -hmm. and um say i am the chase changing face of farming and a little bit of their story and we had like a couple of hundred people uh send us back things and it was it enabled us to connect to other regions where young farmers connect may not have a chapter which was really exciting that's really cool um yeah, and we're really, we're really proud of it. There's a lot of amazing photographs. There's uh, poetry. There's a couple of articles by writers from the Blue Mountains. So, yeah, cool. um, Olivia cool. Tefe, Chloe Graham um, wrote about Farm It Forward. Awesome. Um, yeah. Olivia wrote about her experience as a woman in, uh, woman of colour in um, farming in Australia. Uh, shout
1: out to the Farm It Forward guys as well. Shout out to Farm big, It Forward. Big fan of their yep. work, yeah?
2: Yes. Definitely. Um, and you can learn more about um, that project in the magazine mm-hmm. and um, look them up as well. Uh, yeah, and so I guess we're just providing another voice, mm. essentially. And yep. there are um, there are other publications uh, or projects where you might hear about some of the often um, like graziers, women who are graziers and things, and they're also really inspiring. And I'm I gonna guess stop you there. Graziers—that's people who look after livestock. animals, livestock. Yep, cool. These
1: people who grow grazers. Graziers. Sorry, yeah, we grow graziers.
0: graziers.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> Graziers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it just it was really um, quite exciting to get so much response. People mm. really do want to share their stories, and there's a, ma- a lot of amazing um, young women and non-binary people um, farming um, and, and trying to access land. So one of the um, massive themes that comes up is access to training and access to land mm. in Australia um, in a stable way. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a, it is definitely. I mean, if 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 someone was to talk to me about the face of farming in Australia, I'm probably not thinking of young women, really. Not um, usually, no. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's good to know that there is quite a, a strong community out there of young women and non-binary people who actually mm. are getting into farming for various reasons, and to hear their stories, that's fantastic. Um, you know, an underrepresented uh, group when it comes to, to magazines and to books and the like. Um, and especially when you think about how important farming is to Australia in general Um, and also I guess especially because you've got to focus on the Blue Mountains and Greater Western Sydney as well Um, personally uh, you're talking about not necessarily hundreds of hectares of farms (laughs) but you're talking about smaller plots of land as well. So
2: the chapter yeah Greater Sydney and Mm. um, the Blue Mountains chapter obviously is focusing on smaller to medium mm. plots. So the Sydney food, food bowl has a number of small to medium farms yeah. and produces, um, quite a lot of fresh food. Um, it's another reason why p- people are passionate about it, it not all becoming, um, development despite mm-hmm. the need for housing. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's articles in there that, that try to, um, wrestle with those ideas. Um, and, um, some uh, different plans around some of Australia's capital cities and what they're doing for access to fresh produce. Obviously mm. a lot of that really came up, uh, in the public eye during COVID around um, foods mm-hmm. like supply chain issues yeah. um, and it's it's not a new issue but it's something that you, we need to be able to look at from multiple perspectives you know small farms are really important as are large cropping mm. farms as is export as is keeping food production local so um, and as, our small as, well. as yeah. are
1: small bookshops as are small bookshops yes
2: and
0: thinking too about you know with, with all the I mean, just one example of how climate change has affected it too, thinking about all the flooding yeah. and how, you know, we just saw that y- you weren't able to get things as easily or as cheaply as you were. And it's the way scary. It's, yeah. The way it's impacted, Im- impacted farmers uh, and it's
1: impacted bushfires as well. Yeah. That's the thing. There's so many yeah.
0: variables to it. And I think it's something that we, I take for granted, you know, being able to, you know, just go down the shop and, you know, grab whatever's there.
2: Well, and one of the things we saw in COVID and the, the subs and, and the, the subsequent natural disasters of the floods is that the um, the places that were able to pick up the fastest were the smaller localised um, supply chains. So, They're a bit more mm. nimble. It's, um, you know, food hubs, uh, food co-ops, mm. small farms that were able to change their distribution networks overnight. Cool. Obviously the bigger retailers did that too mm. and were really important in terms of all of that sort of stuff. Um, but Um, Yeah, when you've got a smaller community, there's less different chain of command. And um, uh, yeah, I think everyone really jumped up in COVID. So I guess there were more issues for Big Pharma.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's... That's impressive. I really like that one. That's a great one. I liked that one. Nice one. (laughs) That was was good. Well done. I can't believe I'm a pre
2: I know. (laughs) First time maybe? I I usually
1: groan with your puns. It's because I usually have repeated them. That was a good one. Yeah, I've never heard that one before. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I didn't actually plan that with you. You fed right into that medicine, (laughs) so thank you. But how did you get involved in farming?
2: Oh, um, yeah, good story. Uh, Let's hear it. So I have been working... um, previously to covid um, i've been working on, i was working on a few different farms mm-hmm. i interned on a small scale intensive chicken operation uh, <laughs> for a while, chicken operation yeah. makes you sound like a surgeon or a v- veterinary surgeon. That sounds that
1: sounds terrifying. Working with intensive chickens, yeah, <laughs> they're
2: really intensive. Um, it's <laughs> not actually that intensive. They're, I mean, it's, it's intensive because you move them every day, and well, they have l- large talons. Large, ta- like, yeah, <laughs> they get they grow so large. Man, have you ever grown a meat chicken? Uh, oh wow, they grow very quickly. It's no, funny.
1: I have not grown a meat chicken. No, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, that was actually quite a while ago. But I I was seeking um, learning opportunities in Australia after coming back from um living in south america for six months as a young person cool. um i i had i studied permaculture there and um learned a, a lot of um things uh, that my upbringing definitely didn't um didn't show me around yeah. um the way that uh, food systems work um globally and the way that um agriculture has fueled ha, has been a driver of dispossession of um pe- people's land and seeds and food yeah wow um And Yeah, I came back and then over my 20s uh, worked on small farms, uh, on an urban farm in Sydney, in garden kind of food education as well. Um, And yeah, prior to to, um, COVID, I was managing a small market garden down the south coast on a mixed farm. And I I, I learnt a lot um, from a lot of different people and it's part of why this magazine means a lot because it's an amazing community. I actually first learnt um, to market garden from the amazing shout-out uh, Market Garden in Hartley uh, Erica and Hayden They ah, taught cool. me everything that I know About yeah. veggies nice. um,
1: Beautiful part of the world Down there in Hartley
2: Yeah mm. It's gorgeous Hot yeah. summers Cold winters <laughs> Is that the same as Little Hartley? It's next to it Yeah It's just, oh, so it's just Hartley and small. Little Hartley Weird to yeah. name them both Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where's anyway. Big Hartley though? Yeah. There is no, no Yeah
1: She's sitting right next to you Big
2: Hartley. Big Hart uh, No
1: No oh, Okay Big Farmer That's nice, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> And back to Big Farmer <laughs> Hartley
2: um, yeah, so that's, I th- that's how I got into farming. I care a lot about food and awesome. about um, people having access to
1: it. Yeah, that's cool. cool. Are you, good answer. Are you working on anything else with Young Farmers Connect, yourself personally? Like, what's what's next?
2: I've got a little side project of my own. Like I'm still okay. involved with Young Farmers Connect and there's there's always good things happening. Mm-hmm. We actually recently lost access to our Instagram, which has made promoting the magazine a little hard. So you can look yep. us up on um, Facebook and and, and the and website. Yep. But um, I am putting together a little... I don't know, zine, newsletter, something for young farmers in the mountains. Cool. Uh, as old so school. Old school, <laughs> maybe, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you are a grower in the mountains who is growing um, not just for ba- uh, for your uh, yourself but, you know, sharing with your, your neighbours um, or, or you're aspiring to be a farmer, mm. um, send me a message and maybe you can write something for this little zine that we've got going. And I've heard a rumour that it's going to be printed on pink paper. I'm really hoping to get some pink paper. If mm-hmm. anyone got some pink paper, h- hit me up. Um, but colorful <laughs> paper, you, you know, you don't. Who wants to print on white paper these days? Yeah, no, it's it's good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Diversity in uh, printing—that's what we like D- to see. <laughs>
0: <Sorry>. <laughs> and I know you're in, you're involved with the Blue Mountains Land Trust as well. Yes, the community land trust. Yeah, because we were we just spoke a little bit about it yesterday, and you were saying it, it, it's uh, helping. Oh, look, I'm going to say this wrong, I'm sure, so correct me, but helping uh, Indigenous people and women and people who need a place to live,
2: find places to live, something, yes. something. Yes, so th- they're, they're the, the, the things that it's based on. The um, And this is something, it's a, a newish project um, being coordinated in the mountains. Um, uh, I'm sure, yeah, so the coordinator, Genevieve, could speak more to it. But sure, sure. Um, we're called Blue Mountains Community Land Trust. We are a project that's... Um, uh, A community land trust is a different way of owning land um, Mm. that's co-owned both by the land trust and the residents. Right, Uh, it's a way of um, accessing affordable, uh, accessing secure housing affordably. So you you um, you buy at a lower than market rate. Um, and the um, priorities are security, both if you're renting or if you're owning. Yeah. Um, we're cu- that uh, the the CLT is currently in discussion with council and other professionals, um, housing professionals, um, and it's a basically an, an, a model that works amazingly overseas yeah. um, for secure housing that isn't social housing because it's actually community owned and yep. run, mm. um, and it's been proven to be cheaper to run than social housing would be and you actually own your place yeah. or if you're renting, this, the, the priority is that you get to stay there. So, yeah. there's a lot of homelessness um, across Australia and particularly in the Blue Mountains, those most at risk of homelessness are First Nations people and, um, and middle-aged women mm. and, yeah, really important project and there's Definitely. a number of housing um, projects going on in the mountains. It's
0: really cool. I didn't even know about that and I think that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And and you you see when there's that that... co-ownership there's there's also such pride in your property you know it's not like you're just renting it and hoping you don't get kicked out i mean we've i think all three of us have been there and are there probably (laughs) And but you know being able to have ownership of something you know the the pride and the community and the togetherness that brings i think it can be really significant is there
1: is there a way that locals can contribute to the Land Trust? Is there some way... At the moment,
2: it? you can um, sign up to a newsletter, so we're still, okay. they're still really in the initial phases. Is
1: it a pink newsletter, though?
2: Oh, maybe it should be pink. <laughs> um, but uh, we're on Facebook, Blue Mountains Community Land Trust. Cool. Um, yeah. There'll be an online membership form there, and um, you can sign up your email.
1: That sounds really good.
2: And I
0: also heard you were in a band. <laughs> so many things. Um, well, how
1: come we don't have your music lined up? Actually, well, we have <laughs> We do covers. Ah, um, fair
2: enough. <laughs> uh yes, just recently. Thanks for calling me out, Catherine. Uh, we're There's actually playing who a can't winter see.
1: magic. Madis is actually going pink at the moment. So, oh, <laughs> oh it's on,
2: on in <laughs> line with the, the magazine. Pa- exactly. <laughs> for yeah. the record, I've only just learned how to play guitar. But um, yeah, some hey, friends. You had an egg shaker before in the band. didn't yes. you? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I uh, yeah, we've got a band called Old Folk. Um, we're <laughs> playing at Plant Based Whole Foods at um, at the, at the win- uh, for Winter Magic. Nice, and it's fun. And there'll be mandolins and a banjo and fiddle and, and maybe I don't think the egg shaker will be there. Oh, oh really? Shame. All right, right. Maybe you can do a solo performance, you know.
1: <laughs> I think there's a way in for you there, Catherine. Oh,
0: yeah. Do, do you shaker. need an egg shaker? Yeah. Can I have an egg shaker solo? Yes. <laughs> 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 the fiddle will stop and just wait for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like a drum solo, but with an egg shaker. It'd be amazing
1: cool uh, and uh, just changing face of farming if people are interested in the magazine how do they get a copy of it
2: yeah so Rosie Ravelston the bookshop you guys um, stock it yep um and you and you can look young farmers connect up online and it'll it'll come up straight there yep cool yeah. and we post that all over as
0: well if yep. anyone's interested yep yeah we sold a few since a few down to Tasmania last week didn't so we? exciting yeah. it's going everywhere That's you're right. kind of a big deal Madison yeah <laughs> <laughs> Cool. She's just like no. <laughs> 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 awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I mean, not that you're going now, but you know, that thus concludes. Thanks for having me. The it's fun part. chatting. It is, isn't it? I love it. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, should we listen to some music?
1: Paperback rises.
0: Um, So welcome back to Radio Blue Mountains. I'm Catherine. I'm here with Madison and Zach. Uh, You just listened to two awesome songs. Uh, The first one was Linda by uh, two artists, Tokicha and Rosalia, and Brutus by The Buttress. And both those songs are great. So uh, Linda was your pick, Madison. Tell us about it.
2: Yes, it's a very fun song. Linda uh, means pretty in Spanish. And uh, a friend got me onto this because I was really into Rosalia. Um, She has some really wonderful um, kind of pop flamenco, from what I understand. (laughs) Um, She's a Spanish musician and uh, has just explored a whole range of genres. And then she's teamed up with Tukicha for um, a bunch of songs. I don't know if they've done a whole album together. Um, And that song is... Basically, heaps of um, uh, f- women and um, trans people um, all in a mad reggaeton <laughs> uh, party. Party, yeah! It's, so it's quite re- a video clip, though. Yeah, I recommend the video <laughs> clip for sure. Um, and it, the, the you know the main kind of tagline is like, "We're pretty, we're friends." Um, and we all make out, but it's a great time. <laughs> uh, and I just, I also just really love, um, I, I love a little bit of reggaeton sometimes. Um, I think it's we miss out on it a bit in Australia. Um, yeah, so definitely look them up.
0: Yeah, really good beat. Did you hear about them when you lived in Barcelona?
2: <laughs> no, actually, it was just quite recently. I used to put it on at the cafe a lot when I worked in Katoomba. It's a good but it's beat. the sort of
1: music you would play in Barcelona, isn't Ba-thelona?
2: it? Sorry, Madison. <laughs> I actually All don't think I listened to any reggaeton when I was in Spain. It's more of a South, about a, south and Central American. What about
1: in the city in where Spain? Where were you? you were
2: where did you, you live in Spain <laughs> in Barcelona? Ah, is that right? No yeah. reggaeton. Oh, I think reggaeton <laughs> is definitely um, a big thing when you are uh, on hundreds of hours of buses in South and Central America. <laughs> yeah. and you get that. Yeah, constantly so and, good. and i
0: love like the video just all the bums like just the bum wiggling and and i'm sure is it would it be twerking i'm not very cool it's a
1: bum heavy video <laughs> bum heavy. Yeah. is it
0: twerking
2: would you say what is twerking
1: i don't know there's a
0: theme i know i've tried to do it unsuccessfully <laughs>
2: I don't know.
0: Either way, it's CMI. a great video. Yep. Great video. Uh, uh, and then the second one was Brutus by the Buttress. Another awesome song. Tell us about that, Zach. That yeah. was
1: your choice. That was my choice. I can I, Again, I <laughs> just seem to randomly discover musicians on YouTube these days. So
0: you weren't in Barcelona?
1: <laughs> no, I was not in Barcelona. I, I have been to Barcelona, <laughs> but I'm not there. Where have you mind. been? Uh, Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> uh, such a good word, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I found the Buttress. Uh, I think on YouTube just exploring and scrolling and um uh, it's actually a different song that first caught uh, my attention Um, but there's quite a lot of swearing in that song so it's not for radio um she's an american rapper i think she grew up in new jersey and now lives in chicago uh she grew up in a very uh fundamentalist christian family in my understanding like a very evangelical kind of background Um, but she's very much rejected that uh in her teenage years and um I think she might be in her late 20s now, something like that. Uh, So a lot of her songs, actually, a lot of her music uh, is about religion and her rejection of um, fundamentalist uh, Christianity, which makes for some quite compelling and confronting um, videos. But one of the reasons I picked this song, apart from the fact that it's one of the few ones that doesn't have swearing, (laughs) is that uh, there's a real artistic connection here too Mm -hmm. because she's basically telling the story of uh, the assassination of Julius Caesar but from the perspective of Brutus, Brutus yeah, Brutus. which is what the song is about, so <laughs> yeah. she and, and in the video clip, she plays Brutus, um, and you kind of see uh, the internal monologue that Brutus goes through before the assassin uh, sorry to spoil it, but Caesar gets assassinated. <laughs> Spoiler <alert. laughs> um, And yeah <laughs> it's, a long it's time a, coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very artistic style of video as well. I think they actually uh, at the end of the video, they give credit to Orson Wells. <laughs> um, it was a, almost like a, put together as a tribute to to Orson Welles, the um, great filmmaker. Um, and she's not just a rapper, but she's also
0: it's almost imp- poetry that song, though, yeah. isn't it? Oh, it is. And yeah. But
1: she's she's very much uh, an, an artist as well. She's part of an art collective uh, in the US, and they create a lot of short films and music videos and songs and so and cool. um, mm. um, artwork as well. Yeah, it's very. She's a really interesting uh, character. She's very. Uh, forthright uh, and quite passionate as well um, about her music
0: that came through in that song yeah definitely. absolutely yeah. so
1: uh, again highly recommend it it's a great video clip too
0: mm. just on that note what do you call the chicken that looks at a head of lettuce
1: <laughs> what I have no idea <laughs> I chicken
0: Caesar salad
1: Okay, oh, that I is see. so good. That's that's that not bad. So and good. I was going to say, and there's a reference to Caesar. I know, but as I was awesome going to awesome.
0: spoil it by saying, speaking of Caesar, but I didn't. No, so well done. I'm patting myself yeah. on the back yep. right now. You're on fire today. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah. You can you can claim it as yours. That's that's yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, we didn't get to do this last week, um, so I want to talk about a little bit of book news. Yes, if that's all right. So there's been a few things happening in the world there of is. books and literature lately. Um, one of the first things I want to talk about is the Miles Franklin Award. Uh, Mm -hmm. was um, revealed uh, a week or so ago, the 2022 Miles Franklin Award. And that was won by Jennifer Down with her book, Bodies of Light. Uh, And that's always uh, a pretty big deal, the winner of the Miles Franklin. It's one of the, um, it's probably the premier uh, award when it comes to Australian literature, I think. Mm. Um, I mean, apart from the fact you get $60,000 in prize money as well, which is probably about 10 years the average income for a writer in Australia. (laughs) Um, When describing this year's novel, the judges said, Bodies of Light invites readers to witness the all too often concealed destructive forces of institutionalised care. With extraordinary skill and compassion, Down has written an an important book which speaks to an urgent issue in contemporary Australian life.
0: (laughs) Institutionalised care is in like age, uh, old people's homes? Sorry, that's probably not what they're called. Yeah. Old age homes?
1: I, I think it's institutionalized care in general so yeah, people right. with mental illnesses and that kind of thing as well
0: interesting
1: um and she's actually um jennifer downs is one of the youngest ever authors to win the award as well how old is she um sh- good question <laughs> i she's think mid-20s i think oh wow. i only just yeah, learned about that award as 80s. well
2: that the miles franklin um was mm-hmm. obviously from the bequest of uh uh not Stella. Strinkland? Yeah, who is Stella Franklin. Yep. And then the Stella Prize was made after the Miles Franklin. Yep, that's right. I didn't realise that until recently. It's very great.
1: And what, what's the Stella Prize for? The
2: Stella Prize is for Australian women's fiction because mm. for a long time only men won the Miles Franklin Award despite it being named after someone's yep. uh, nom de plume yep. Yep. who was a woman. That sounds right, doesn't it's it? It's if you've written a Stella book.
0: No?
1: Yeah. Good one. Nope. Um, Anyone? <laughs> no one. No. Uh, the I was um, just doing the tumbleweed. <laughs> 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 I'm happy to have that sound effect because we'd, we'd use that I quite like a that lot. One. <laughs> um, we've also uh, a week or so ago, I think the um, announcement came out about the Orwell Prize winners. Uh, oh wow! Well. And I don't know how many people know about the Orwell Prize. I don't know about it. Yeah, but every every year, the um, George Orwell Foundation e- effectively gives out prizes for the best politi- political writing. Cool. Effectively. Um, so I need to look
2: that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and I mean it's it's uh, given Catherine and I we we met and bonded essentially over George Orwell and mm-hmm. named our bookshop o- o- after characters from an Orwell novel. Um, so uh, the the book in particular um, that I just wanted to quickly talk about was the um, the book that won the Political Fiction Book Prize, uh, which is a book called Small Things Like These by an author called Claire Keegan. Um. It's 1985 in an Irish town. During the weeks leading up to Christmas, Bill Furlong, a coal and timber merchant, faces into his busiest season. As he does the rounds, he feels the past rising up to meet him and encounters the complicit silences of a people controlled by the church. Mm. Um, It's a novella, um, and it's been described as close and precise and unwavering, a beautifully written evocation of Ireland in the 1980s, precisely rendered of a good man and his ordinary life and of the decision he makes it unlocks major present questions about social care, women's lives and collective morality. Wow. The very tightness of focus in Keegan's marvellous control of her instrument as a writer makes for a story at once intensely particular and powerfully r- resonant. That's just a great description as well. That's it's
0: interesting good. how it's like tight and precise. They, they said that quite a few times, yeah. words like that. Yeah. I suppose because it's a, a novella. Um, Wow, that sounds really good.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, And also, just um, on Book News 2, the uh, long list for the Booker Prize 2022 has also been announced, um, which includes three debut authors, the shortest book uh, in the prize's history, and the youngest and oldest authors ever to be nominated. Oh, wow. Extremes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so I won't go too much into the long list. If you want to go online, you can have a look at the long list. When the short list comes out, um, we'll talk a bit more about it. Um, but there's a couple of books in here, um, and small things like these is actually one of them. The book we were just talking ah, about, the cool. one the Orwell Prize. Um, there's also a book by Elizabeth Strout mm-hmm. called O. William, um, yeah, who yeah. I know we've sold in the shop. I've a few been meaning to get into
2: her.
0: I still haven't, and mm. I, I need to. My Especially name
2: is Lucy Barton. <laughs> I've heard good things. She about. Yeah,
0: she's written a few, and also they made a Jane Lynch was in. Um, was Am I meant to know about that? No, Jane no, Lynch that's is? that's my thinking face. Are you Sorry. thinking of a TV show? Yeah, they made a TV show of yeah. one of her books with yeah. Jane Lynch, yeah. who's fantastic. She is fantastic. But now yeah. I'm being vague.
1: Um, <laughs> Karen Joy Fowler was oh, yeah. also nominated for her book Booth.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And uh, I think I'm. Correct me if I'm mistaken, Catherine, but there's a book called Glory, uh, which is by NoViolet Bulawayo.
0: Yeah, we've, that's um, We Need New Names. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Have you read that? I have. Yeah, yeah. and what did yeah. you think of that book? Yeah, it's
0: good. Yeah. I really liked it.
1: So they also have a book nominated in the long list as well. Yeah. So yeah, you can hop online and have so a little more detail. So much to read, so, oh, little so time. Exactly right. I
0: know. And especially, you know, you've got about 30 books you've never even
2: finished. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's
1: right. laughs> Well, almost, just left the last chapter It's on chapter. the record yeah, yeah, just the last that's right. chapter is. Exactly. Normal
2: people never read the last chapter Good, don't
0: bother <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> don't, don't talk about please
1: that Please don't start Sally Rooney oh,
2: Don't sorry. worry, Ken's
0: an accident <laughs> Can't I swear.
1: An hour of our two-hour episode last week was about Sally Rooney Don't worry, so
0: at the end of the book they talk about all of their feelings uh, And then, you know, everyone like, walks away happily the right. end. Yeah, what? Olive Kitteridge. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. A um,
1: yeah, a famous one.
0: Elizabeth, Elizabeth. Sprout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth. That's Mum's just text me. Thanks, Mum. Do you want to do a oh, shout out right. to my mum?
2: Shout out to Catherine's mum. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting us know the important things. Thanks.
1: Ex librarian, excellent gluten free chef as well. so
2: And and our good, good credentials. Our listener.
1: Yeah. <laughs> our biggest. Do you fan. ever
2: really stop being a librarian though?
1: No, you do not. No. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I just quickly wanted to talk about was Blue Mountains Writers' Festival. Oh, woo! yes. How exciting. Is coming oh, up Oh, my well. gosh. In, yes, exactly. <laughs> Helen
0: Garner. Sorry, spoiler alert. 21st to yeah. the 23rd Helen of October. Helen Garner's coming. <laughs> yeah, so who's fangirl. coming, Kath? <laughs> Sorry, Helen Garner. Have you heard Helen Garner's coming? I heard yeah, that I have, Helen yeah. Garner's coming.
1: I've never heard of Helen Garner. Oh, uh, she's so cool. <laughs> she's so... Oh,
0: I'll probably fangirl if I meet her again.
1: I, yes, I suspect that's true. No, I,
0: I'll, I'll play it cool now. Now I've learnt...
1: Um, we've also got uh, Tom Keneally coming up.
0: Richard Glover's is coming, isn't Richard, he? Richard,
1: yeah. Hi. Costa, um, oh, Gi- Costa. Dardis, I can't remember now. to pronounce it, Mr. Gardening Australia, basically. Awesome. Um, yeah, Michelle DeCresta's coming yeah, up as well. There's cool. a big range of uh, really interesting authors it's coming really up great. for that. So, um, when are,
0: it's October, isn't it? Uh, 21st to 23rd of October, yeah. I think.
1: So, yeah, always a really interesting uh, a- event, that one. So, yeah. yeah, put that in your calendar.
0: Yeah, that's i I've got so many Helen Garner books that I haven't read yet, mm. especially her non fiction. Um because yep. it seems a little bit heavy, which isn't bad, but I try and read those books when I'm in. I mean I, I tell you what I've just read a book by Janet Frame. Um so that's gonna that'll that'll move them up my reading pile, I think.
2: Just intersperse it with some Le Guin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, awesome.
1: Do you want to uh, give us a Dracula Daily update? Kate?
0: Oh, There's so much. So much has happened <laughs> and so little has happened all at once. I don't even know where to begin. So f- um, for people who don't know what this is, Dracula Daily, uh, it's you sign up to email updates when something has happened in the book. So the book has written uh, a, a series of you know diaries and journals and letters, um, all dated. And so um, the people behind Dracula Daily have put it all in order, and then they on when something happens on that day that the book was written, because it's all between, I want to say May and November, um, Yeah, they send you an email. So sometimes you get an email that's, you know, a paragraph long, and sometimes it, it's a lot more. We have not heard from Jonathan in a very long time. Oh dear, what's happened? Well, after Dracula stole his clothes and climbed out a window, I mean, it's just <laughs> getting weirder and weirder. Now um, it's suddenly talking about a ship, and we don't, like... It's from the perspective of the sh- ship's captain. And they loaded giant boxes of dirt and just didn't think that was strange onto the ship. Um, and suddenly all the people are going missing and no one knows what's happening. And they're like, oh, no, don't worry. You know, he must have fallen overboard. I don't know what happened. And now I think there's actually two of them left, they're getting closer and closer to Whitby and there's the captain, the first mate's died, everyone's... well There's a lot of convenient things going on, like just... <laughs> and, and no one thinks to look in the boxes of dirt because they did a big search of the ship. They said, all right, you know, someone said, look, he's gone missing. Something's not right. I feel weird. And they were like crossing their chests. You I'm know. genuinely confused because I haven't actually read Dracula. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, but that's the thing. It's actually quite a weird book in a good way because I thought it would be, you know, I want to suck your blood kind of thing, you know. Um, that was a good little voice, <laughs> it wasn't was. it? Well ah, done. That was uh, yeah. unprompted too, <laughs> unscripted. Um, but, yeah, it's, so it's really interesting. It's the perspective. So we've got the boat journal on the Demeter. Um, we've got Lucy, who's his Jonathan's partner, who is just suspicious because she hasn't heard from him, and when she has, it's been shorthand, and she just feels like something's not right. <laughs> we've got maybe mm- he's running out of paper. No, because Dracula is not letting him send things. Ah. He's like controlling it all, and he finds the letters he s- secretly tried to smuggle out and burns them in front That's of him. Right. Like, there's a lot of coercive controlling behavior yep. here. Dracula, not okay. Yep.
1: Any gaslighting?
0: Uh, uh, He's like, no, no, I don't know what you... I'm alone in this castle. All my (laughs) servants are here. Not. (laughs) Um, And then meanwhile, there's Mina, who's just, like, writing love stories and poems and going on adventures. And it's really funny because it's side by side with the boat, the Demeter, of, like, people going missing. And, you know, people are horrified and afraid for their lives. And then she's like, I went for a walk up the cliffs and I talked to a man and I'm in love and I'm going to get proposed to. And it's so... (laughs) And and you just don't know what you're going to get. Like, just this morning's one was... N- another person's gone missing and we don't know what to do because <laughs> now they can't put the sail down because they can't put it up again because there aren't enough people oh, wow. and so Gosh. they're just sort of floating <laughs> and hoping that someone will come and For rescue it.
2: resignation.
0: But the thing is Dracula hasn't really thought this through. I mean w- they haven't said it's Dracula. We know it is. You know where we've put that together but they, have it, they ha- he didn't think this through like once what you start happens? killing
1: off everyone on the ship, how do who's you get sailing there? the ship? Exactly. Maybe it'll be an army of bats or something that'll pull the ship along.
0: Interestingly, no one's turned into a bat yet. Whoa. I wonder if that's not a trope that was from this book. I wonder if that yeah. came later. Yeah, I was wondering whether... Yeah. Mm. And now there's this weird old man who comes, and you know how in books, um, Irvine Welsh is the obvious example, you know how it writes how people speak? In a yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so there's this weird old man and he speaks in this... And it's written I- I- in his oh, dialect. I like
2: it when that happens, and it almost takes you a while to get into it, mm. and then you actually start being able to read it. I do when it's for
0: a paragraph or two, yeah.
1: but I yeah, must. Some ad- of Irvine Welsh's books take oh. about four weeks to read because you basically have to learn another language, oh, no. really.
0: <laughs> and there's actually a part where this old man speaks to—I think it's Mina—and she just—it <laughs> says. I didn't know what he meant so I assented I nodded my head <laughs> to, uh, and assented and then he says something else and she goes I sent it again <laughs> you know it's really funny um, so if you are interested in reading it just search uh, Substack Dracula Daily mm. and because there's still a few months to go and you can catch up it has them all and it's really mm. easy to read because it's all in these little pieces and as I said it's all journals or diaries or letters and yeah it's if
1: you can't be bothered doing that, just tune into our show and we exactly. will give you, you regular the updates. Review. Or you could just
0: read Dracula also well, that's <laughs> by Bram Stoker. Where's the fun in that? I, it's such a fun way to read books, though. I'm yeah. really, really enjoying it. And I it's do such get a good
2: idea. It's like an episodic mm. kind of m- newspaper column that we don't do so much for fiction anymore. Yeah, yeah.
0: definitely. Or well, you know the books that were um, released, like The Green Mile by Stephen King that was released in very small, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, Yeah, a few Mm. chapters at a time, uh, and then published though, like printed. Yeah, Yeah. printed, and they were like in in, in thin parts. Mm. Um, I like that. Me too. But and and it sort of meant you had to wait and see. I guess you know with cliffhangers and things. Mm. Um, yeah, really recommend. It's a lot of fun.
1: Cool. All right. Well, we'll see next week whether we get uh, another Dracula daily update or not. That's one of the fascinating things about it. You don't actually know whether you're going to get one in the next week, do you?
0: <laughs> well, no. And and but I I kind of part of that is the the joy of it too. Yeah. And we haven't heard from Jonathan in so long. Yeah. And it, it, like, is he I'm in the worried. castle? I'm is he worried. in the box of dirt? Yeah.
2: W- what? <laughs> you can't lose such a such a core character, can you?
0: Well, I, I imagine we'll hear from him soon. But nothing has. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jonathan. Nothing yep. nothing has happened. Um and, and and I love that it's it's in it's all in their, their diaries too. And so it's such different perspectives. Mm. of Mina who's just this like la 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 floaty little girl it's just like oh, I'm on a cliff and I'm looking at things and <laughs> this grumpy old man who talks strange and is like, Oh no, those tombstones aren't real. He killed himself and they did that. Like it's just
1: I assent. <laughs> yeah, I just said exactly. It's weird and yeah. I
0: love it. Um, the end.
1: Thanks very much for that, Kath. Oh. I know I do oh. that. I know I do it every time. But
0: one terrible joke by Zach. Ah, 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 yeah, ah,
1: good one. Um, so we don't have that much time left. I just want to quickly go over a, a few upcoming events as well. Um, now, we are, uh, work quite closely with the Blue Mountains Refugee Support Group, a fantastic charity, uh, not for profit up in the Blue Mountains. Yes. do a lot of work for asylum seekers and refugees. Um, They have an art show coming up this weekend in Wentworth Falls, and it's going to be an exhibit of refugee and asylum seeker art. It will be paintings, prints and artworks, which I think is going to be amazing.
0: Is that in the art school? It
1: is in the art school, yeah. yeah. Uh, The Wentworth Falls School of Art. Um, So that's uh, Saturday and Sunday, 10am to 4pm on Saturday and 11 to 3 p.m. on Sunday. Um, So I think that's going to be a really interesting exhibit and you can go in and actually buy the art as well. Um, And
0: profits go to the uh, the Blue Mountains Refugee Support
1: And if, well, if you buy art, it goes to the artist as well. Yeah. So um, also we will have a book stand there on the weekend too. So we'll be selling a few books, art books and refugee and asylum seeker books as well. If you want a
0: fangirl over Zach, get a selfie. He'll be there. He'll love it.
1: I think, where's it, Tumbleweed? Sound again.
0: Or you need to do it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kath. Um, we've also got uh, Rosie and Books. We have our Mid-Mountains Poetry Night coming up again in yes. a couple of weeks' time. I'm so very excited. August 17 down at 20 Mile Hollow, 6.30 to 8.30pm.
2: Mm-hmm. Is that all original poetry, Zach? It's
1: up to you. Um, some people read out their own work and that's incredible. And we've had people who have read out their own work for the very first time in their lives. And it's right. been amazing really, and um, inspirational. Yeah, powerful. Um, some people read out the works of others. Um, we have some bush poets. We have po- uh, poems about rock climbing. <laughs> um, oh, I've
2: never read a poem about rock
1: climbing. Yeah, I it, was, read a poem it was an interesting one, yeah. And you poems never know what you're going to get. I <laughs> love y- it. Exactly, you don't. You
2: never know what you're going to
1: get. <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, even some poems from the 19th century as well get read out of Canada. That's true. Um, from Woodford Academy, actually. Yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah, so from
0: it, um Itty.
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm. Exactly. So it's a free event. Um, feel free to turn up. Uh, if you're interested in reading out poetry as well, um, you can turn up on the night and we'll do a call out on the night for people who want to read out poetry. You don't have to. You can just sit there and listen if you like as well.
0: Do people need to sign up so we make sure we have enough chairs?
1: I think we'll have enough chairs. But So you can sign up if you like and you have the option to make a donation to the Blue Mountains Refugee Support Group but um, we'll also take donations on the night as well. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a really good night. And the last thing I just wanted to say is a reminder about our Regenesis competition, um, which is being organised by our bookshop and also the Blue Mountains Creative Arts Network, um, which is an, a, a fantastic organisation up here mm-hmm. uh, working to help promote the arts in the Blue Mountains. Um, so that is a writing and drawing competition. So we're taking entries for short stories, for poems and also for drawings illustrations and potentially artwork as well if you think that there's something that uh, suits the theme of regenesis mm. so that's the main criteria it just needs to be something suiting the theme of regenesis and if you go onto our website or onto the radio blue mountains website or the blue mountains creative arts network website um, you can find out some more information about regenesis and what's it, what it means but entries close 15th of august um, the winners will be announced very shortly afterwards, and then we'll be hosting an event at Winter Magic on the Sunday, um, which I think the 28th of August, where we'll be having a chat to the winners of each of those three categories. And um, then you can go and, and listen to, to
0: old folks. Your band have a little. on the 27th actually. Oh, uh, really? You, you have to go all weekend. Yeah, <laughs>
1: it's well worth it. Winter Magic is back, so it's back. It's great to see.
0: Also, just as an aside, we have author talks and book clubs and all sorts of events that our book club runs um that are free um so if you're interested check out our website because we've got some really cool ones coming up um, in the next couple of months
2: pretty cool crew of people
0: yep pretty good group of people and it's very low-key which i like you don't all have to read the same book you know you just can sit and listen it's good
1: yeah exactly um anything else you want to talk about still got a couple of songs to go yeah
0: we're gonna play some seager ross which i'm very excited about
2: they're coming to sydney Next week I think we're going to go and see them The first time I um, listened to Sigur Ross Was watching um, some like nature docos Maybe <laughs> like David Ambrill Where you turned off the audio And turned Sigur Ross on It's a good time Awesome Yeah I love that I,
0: I The because their language is made up, right? It's not all Icelandic. I'm sure I read that somewhere, and now I'm idea. not sure because I, was I wouldn't know the
1: difference to be honest. But so. I'm sure
0: I read somewhere that he that it's sort of a made up part because he also sings in English. I've got because I've got Yoncy um, some of his solo stuff.
2: Oh yeah, Yoncy and Alex. Um, or just Jansi. Yeah,
0: and Yoncy and Alex because the song um, is any mere singer. It looks like a language singur, to me. Singur, yep, and Hopiola. Uh, so th- we'll we'll be finishing with those.
2: Um, but thank you
0: for coming yeah, to hang out with, so with us. Thank you so much for having Madison. me. Yeah, Blue
2: Mountains and Rosie Rav. The Rose.
0: Oh, I love it. Mm. The, ro- the Ravs. Paperback Riders. Sorry. Yep. yep paperback <laughs> Riders.
2: Um, so yeah,
0: we'll be here this time next week. We've got an interview coming up uh, with with an author um, uh, of his book Nicknames. Mm-hmm. We'll be playing that and yeah, continuing to talk about what we've been reading, what's happening in the news, and updates on whether we see Jonathan again. What's happening with Dracula? Is he
1: in the box of dirt or not? That uh, is the question.
0: Does the ship ever get to Whitby? What's hap- What's the deal with that old oh, man? I suspect man. it
1: does, but who knows?
0: <laughs> it, it just <laughs> no spoilers. Just Just slowly floats and it yeah, bumps on right. the shore Using because the everyone's dead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. All right, we'll stay safe out there. You've been listening to Zach. You say hi.
1: Hello,
0: Kath and Madison. Hello. <laughs> See Madison gets he does on well. radio, Such a pro. <laughs> radio Blue Mountains, eighty nine point one FM. This is Paperback Rider.
1: Radio Blue Mountains 89.1 FM, your local alternative to mainstream radio. A community station operated entirely by volunteers. Streaming live on www.rbm.org.au.